everyone, my name is Abby and I'm part of the team here at HGBB. Today is the first Sunday in the season of Lent. And this week we had Ash Wednesday where Mark Knight, uh, the principal of our theological college, SBTC, he did this brilliant video, it's out on Instagram, go check it out, have a watch, and he really sets us up for the season. And this whole season of Lent is basically a time within the global church, the calendar of the year, where we are on a bit of a countdown towards Easter. So Lent traditionally is marked by giving something up. You deny yourself something, and it can be anything from food to sleep to an activity. And the idea is that we grow closer to God by denying ourselves something in order to increase our reliance on Him. Now, you might be thinking, well, the past two years have kind of felt like Lent, so I'm not sure why we're going to be piling it on. And yes, regardless of our collective COVID experience, all the usual difficulties are still going on, caring for sick relatives, struggling with work, and most recently watching a war unfold in Europe via our social media feeds. And so my prayer for us today is that whatever way you decide to spend your Lent, that you find increasing clarity in your life, that over the next 30 days, you are enriched in your faith and you grow closer to God. Let me read our passage for today. It's from Luke chapter four, verses one to 13. It says this, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me. I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil then led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. When I was in school, during my religious studies class, one technique that my teacher used to use to help us memorize stories from the Bible was she would print out a freeze frame of the story on this big board. And so one at a time, we would have to get up from our seats and we would go and look at the board and we had to try and remember one item from the picture and then run back to our seats and kind of piece it together with our group. And for this story, I can still see it in my mind. I can see the vast desert. I can see the bright blue sky. Um, I can see the sun burning down. I can see Jesus all white and clean and shiny talking to this red horned winged creature. Now, that scene, it felt acceptable when that is for points in an exam, but picturing it now, it feels a bit like removed from the reality of 21st century life. Is that what temptation is like? A back and forth conversation with the devil? Because 
then it feels a bit obvious. It's hardly rocket science. The devil says something, Jesus doesn't agree with it, and he comes back with a defense. And so these temptations feel a bit straightforward. Of course, Jesus can overcome them. But is that how it went down? What if it was more subtle than that? You know, what if the reality isn't like the GCSE depiction of the story? What form is the devil in at this point? Is he physically there? Are these temptations more like thoughts in Jesus' mind? What is the reality? What if the reality isn't quite as clear cut or black and white like this text at first glance? Each time in this passage, when Jesus was tempted, if you take them at face value, the suggestions, they don't seem that bad. It's like, you know, the first one is eat because you're hungry. The second one was to suggest that Jesus have authority over all the kingdoms of the world. And the third was to suggest that Jesus shows the city that he is the son of God. Those aren't bad. So why are these the hooks that the devil uses? In our lives, we are gonna be tempted in many different ways in our own thought life in, you know, by other people. We're gonna be tempted in conversation. So what happens if temptation isn't as obvious as we think? How do we not fall into the trap? From this passage, there are two things that the devil attacks. And there are two things that Jesus relies on. The devil attacks God's provision and the devil attacks God's plans. And yet the two things that help Jesus to withstand these attacks, remember while he's on earth, he was fully God and fully man. So he is fully vulnerable to the full spectrum of weaknesses that we experience. And so he had these two things that he relied on during this time in the wilderness. Not necessarily armies of angels or you know, raising people from the dead or casting out demons or ascending to heaven to escape but the two things that Jesus relied on was that he was full of the Holy Spirit and that he knew God through the words of the Bible. That is like the most powerful combination that we also have. We have what Jesus had. And so when the devil attacks us, causing us to question God's provision, what do we do? And when he calls into question God's plans for our lives, how do we withstand it. Let's take a look. The first is God's provision. So after 40 days in the wilderness, it is safe to say Jesus probably had a lot of needs. He probably needed a shower. He needed a shave. He maybe needed a fresh feed. And his most pressing need was food. He hadn't eaten in 40 days. And so the devil suggests, you're hungry. You know, why not make these stones turn into loaves of bread? This doesn't sound like a bad idea. Like loaves of bread are hardly an indulgent. It's easy to reason why God would maybe want this for Jesus. He would want him to eat. And Jesus had the ability to do this miracle because he goes on to do it in chapter nine of Luke's gospel. Not just making one loaf of bread, but feeding thousands of people with bread. But Jesus's response to the devil in this instance was, Man shall not live on bread alone, which is taken from Deuteronomy 8. Let me read the verse to you. It says this in Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. He, God the Father, 
humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. God the Father had done this miracle before. He had provided bread in the desert, in the wilderness for the Israelites when they had no provision. And what he provided for them was this thing called manna, which is translated as, what is it? They didn't really know, but it was kind of like bread. And so the manna would appear every morning to be collected for that day. So they couldn't hoard it. They couldn't stock it up. They couldn't, you know, like collect extra, then sell it on the side to make a bit of profit. Because if they took more than they needed, the manna would go bad. It would be full of worms and go rotten. They could only use what had been provided for that day. And there was always enough for today. The manna was provided by God for the Israelites for 40 years, the whole time that they were in the wilderness. God is a God who provides. And what Jesus is getting at here is that God can be trusted to provide for our needs, even when it seems the circumstances might suggest the contrary. God feeds us beyond our physical. Because if God only cared about our physical needs, what about all the other things that make us who we are? What about our spiritual, our emotional, our mental needs too? And so that's why Jesus says, it takes more than bread to stay alive. It takes a steady stream of words from the mouth of God. The devil was tempting Jesus to bypass, to doubt the provision that Jesus knew God the Father could provide, to cast doubt on the relationship of reliance. What do you need today? In verse one of our passage, it says that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. God has provided us with the Holy Spirit today. And the promise is for us to be filled, to be comforted, to be equipped by the presence of God. Quick side note, Jesus didn't do the miraculous in this passage. You know, he didn't take the object and turn it into bread. But if we look at the rest of his life in the gospels, we know that they were full of miracles. So if you need a miracle today in your life, we can ask for that. We can ask for that in faith because our God is a God who does miracles. God's provision comes in miracles, but it also comes in the daily bread. Lent is a time for us to pause, to remember all the daily bread that we've received from him. Over the new year, Stu and I went back to the UK to see our families, like lots of people that we'd not seen our families for like nearly two years or over two years. And during that time with them, it was filled with everything, with great food to catching COVID to family births to family deaths. And it just felt really inconsistent. It was like full of loads of highs and lots of lows. And so it kind of got to the point where each week we weren't really sure what that week was gonna hold. We were there for seven weeks in the UK. And over those seven weeks, we saw seven different rainbows, seven. And so when our time came to an end to say goodbye to our families, it felt tough. It felt tough to leave when things weren't completely settled. 
And then as we were landing into KL in the last 45 minutes of what, a 26 hour journey, this was the view from our window. We were greeted back to Malaysia with a rainbow a visual representation of one of the promises of God. And so we were just reminded that he is faithful to his word. D.L. Moody says, let man feed for a month on the promises of God and he will not talk about how poor he is. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to fill us afresh today so that we can feed on the promises of God because he is the provider. The second area that the devil attacks is that he calls into question God's plans. Uh, let's read again from Luke chapter four and verse five. It says this, the devil led him up to a high place and he showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It's been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil took him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answers, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. At this point in Jesus' life, he's 30 years old. He's around 30. To be honest, he's not really done very much. He has been baptized. And after this time in the wilderness, he's gonna go on and start his ministry. He's gonna gather his disciples. He's gonna start teaching about the kingdom of God. He's gonna start healing people publicly. But he knew what lay ahead of him. The road mapped out for Jesus included rejection and brutality, being falsely charged and then being wrongly put to death. The plans ahead were tough going. And so what's so sneaky and deceptive about these temptations is there are ways to achieve what Jesus came to do on earth, to show that he was the son of God. But what the devil is suggesting are shortcuts. The temptation was to substitute the hard stuff for an easy fix. Jesus' life was going to be one of the suffering servant rather than the spectacular showman. And that's because this is how he made a way for us to know God. And so the devil is attempting to make Jesus doubt the way of God, to doubt the plans that he had were the best way to see this fulfilled. If you look ahead into your future, into the next month, into the next six months, what lies ahead for you? Are there tough decisions? You know, maybe you, you don't know exactly the plans. Maybe you're piecing together ideas or maybe you're just trying to decipher what's next. How do we gain clarity when we're doubting or we're unsure of God's plan for our lives? Well, Jesus' response in the second temptation when he's shown all the kingdoms of the world is to say in verse eight, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. This is where to start. Clarity comes when we place ourselves in a position of worship. 
Lent is a time of self-denial in order to create dependency because it makes us even more aware of our fragility and our humanity, realizing God is God and He is over all things and He is all-powerful. And so we can submit to His plans for our lives, knowing that they will be good for us. The next verse that follows on from what Jesus quotes in Deuteronomy says, do not follow other gods, the gods of the people around you. And again, that's so helpful. If we want to gain clarity, one thing that will not help us is following the gods of other people. God is clear. Our worship belongs to him and to him only, and everything else must come after. So the devil offers Jesus all authority in the kingdoms of the world. And Jesus resists this temptation. And then right at the end of Jesus' life, he tells his disciples in Matthew 28 that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him, not by bowing down to the devil, but through obedience to God's plans. And that's how Jesus wants us to live too, to follow him along this way. The last temptation uses a slightly different tactic um, to create doubt in God's plans. So this is the temptation where the devil encourages Jesus to jump off of the temple in the middle of the city in Jerusalem. It'd be like jumping off the Patronus towers, like in the middle of a public holiday. Like the devil wants Jesus to be spectacular, to create this very big public display of grandeur and power and, you know, get God to send on like loads of angels. But what's so sly about this particular temptation is that the devil is caught on. You know, Jesus in each of the temptations has been using scripture as a way to negate the devil. And now the devil starts to use the Bible to justify the temptation. He's playing real dirty. And he quotes Psalm 91 about God's protection over his people. He says, well, it says in Psalm 91 that the he'll command angels concerning you to guard you carefully. He's saying, if you are the son of God, then why wouldn't God the Father protect you from all harm? Jesus' response is, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus in his wisdom, counters the devil with more truth from the Bible. Because although Psalm 91 is true, there is a promise of protection for God's people. It's not a safety net to live recklessly or carelessly. God promises his protection in Psalm 91 to those who make him their dwelling place, to those who call to him, who hold fast to him, to God in love. But what does that look like? Well, the verse that Jesus starts to quote continues on in Deuteronomy and it says this, be sure to keep the commands of the Lord your God. Do what is right and what is good in the Lord's sight. Jesus was gonna live and show his identity as the son of God in many different ways throughout his life, but throwing himself off the temple and manipulating God the Father to send angels, like that was not gonna be the way. So how did he have clarity when the devil was using his own weapon against him. The more we read the Bible, the more we will know what God is like and be able to identify him at work in our lives. Last week, 
last Friday. We were, I was standing in the kitchen. It was like Friday morning, I had just made a cup of coffee and I was standing talking to Stu at our kitchen bench. And then like all of a sudden, the bench started to like, like sway back and forth and started to wobble. And we both kind of looked at each other like, did you feel that? Was that just me? Like, like what on earth was that? It was so weird, do we need to get out of the building? And what we actually were feeling was the aftershock of the earthquake in Indonesia. I don't know if anyone else felt it, definitely saw it all over Twitter. But naturally, the next thing to happen was that our neighborhood WhatsApp group just like went off on it. So everyone in our condo was talking about it. Some people had furniture that moved. Uh, some people were worried about the building. Some people were saying, is it safe? Has there been damage? Do we need to evacuate? If you live in a high rise building, in a place that experiences earthquakes, there will be vital engineering that has gone into construction. And it's all about the base. The base of a high-rise building is engineered in a way that means it will either withstand or crack when the ground shakes. When the ground feels shaky, when the devil is poking around and causing doubts or trying to throw you off course, the word of God is what helps to stabilize us. There is a reason that people have worked for hundreds of years trying to make the Bible more accessible, from translating it to commentating it to illustrating it. And in this season of Lent, I'd love to encourage you, like, why not just try and read a little bit of the Bible each day? Honestly, there are so many options. There's Express Bible in one year. You can get a notification with a verse of the day from, your, from the Bible app on your phone. You can have the infographic version of the Bible. You can join a connect group so you read it with other people. You can do SBTC, sign up if you wanna dig into it even further. Even listening to worship songs, really good worship songs that, that sing the words of the Bible, that helps us to meditate on it and to know who God is. You have the weapon in your hand that's going to bring stability and clarity in your life. God wants to make himself known. If you find yourself in a place of temptation today, the truth is in verse 13, it says, and when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left. The devil left. Jesus withstood the temptation through the power of the Holy Spirit, through using the word of God, and the devil left. The promise for you today in James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So no matter what temptation you're facing, turn to the word of God, ask to be filled with the spirit, and the devil will flee. That is the promise for today, that God will provide you with everything that you need. So let me pray for you. I just want you to receive these words. You might wanna just close your eyes. The Holy Spirit is here, He's with us, He's with you in your home, wherever you're watching this right now. Let me pray these words over you. God of wisdom, may the light of your word lead us in holiness and guide us into glory. God of mercy and compassion, your word calls us home to faith and to love, accept all we offer you this day. 
God of our journey. As we walk with you on your path of obedience, sustain us on our way and lead us to your glory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And so we're just going to pray, come Holy Spirit. We're going to wait on him. I would love you to receive him now, be filled afresh once again. So let's just wait on the Spirit. We pray, come Holy Spirit. Perhaps today you feel like you really need stability in your life. You feel a bit wobbly. And that is what God came to do. Jesus made a way for us to know God and to be in relationship with him. And so we would love to be able to pray with you today that you would know the power of that truth in your life today. Also, I have a sense there's someone watching and you're experiencing both grief and joy at the same time. You kind of don't know whether you're coming or you're going. And so again, we would love to pray for you in this time of grief and um, in this time of joy as well, that you would know clarity in your life. And if there is anything that you would like prayer for, whether you need that miracle, whether you're struggling with temptation, whatever is going on, there's a whole team of pastors that are online. Right now, you can click request prayer and a window will pop up and they will pray with you and for you today. Or at any point during this week, you can get prayer through the website, through the HTBB hotline. We are here with you. You're not alone. Let's worship together. Thank you.